0: Do you wanna do you wanna break the news? Should I? I think you should, dude. This is the Trey Tipton episode, so. So ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to the Athletic Aesthetic Podcast. My name is Vinny. I'm your host. Uh, Today's episode is a really great one. I've been, if you've been watching the show for the last couple episodes, I've had my buddy Trey Tipton on. Uh, We've been talking everything about the art exhibit that we put on together to, you know, all of our plans working together. Uh, moving forward. But I wanted to invite him back on and uh, tell a little bit more of his story and, you know, what made him into the person that he is today. So today, sit down with him. This is Trey's story. We we tried to, like, move from, you know, like, the, his childhood all the way through up until now. But there, you'll see in this interview, there's so many things. Uh, it's a roller coaster of uh, an interview. There's uh, ups, there's downs, there's Uh, A lot of downs, a lot of like triumph moments, and and just you'll see as you hear this story. And I feel like after we hit, um, you know, pause on the recording, Trey even opened up about more things that, um, you know, we didn't even get to cover yet on this. So there's there's a lot of moving pieces when you uh, think about Trey Tipton, (laughs) Um, but we tried to cover a little bit of those today. I'm really excited about that. A couple housekeeping things. If you're here, please subscribe uh, you know, your subscription to this channel allows us to keep growing. It allowed us to get more guests and fun things that we can do, interactive things, uh, in-person parties, all that. So subscribe, share this with somebody. If you see a post on social media, make sure you like comment on that, uh, show some love there. Go cop some merch on the website, vc2art.com. Uh, and you know, keep an eye out for some, some really, uh, big announcements at the end of this episode for the show moving forward. So stick around. Leave a comment here on the video. Love to hear from you guys. This is episode 15 of the Athletic Aesthetic Podcast. Let's get it. Locally, mm-hmm. UPMC did something, right? Yeah, UPMC,
1: ESPN, ACC. So hey, I've, give us love.
0: I've found your story in bits and pieces through those because like, you know, throughout the years, things have just happened. <laughs> Uh, and I feel like, you know, you see a video from 2020 and you're like, oh, this must be his most, you know, current video. And then like 2022, how much life had happened from that video to that video. Crazy. And so now it's 2023. And I was like thinking, you know, when you get your, your update, your story, <laughs> <laughs> um, the updated version, you know, I know that this episode like is probably hard, you know, for you to revisit some memories and yeah um yeah. you know we try to keep it light on this podcast but at the same time like there's very real things that people go through and man. um brother you've been through it <laughs> and then some so um so I want to just share your story with the world and you know hopefully that this you know would would help somebody else um that might be going through it too
1: 100 100 percent.
0: how you feeling today
1: we're feeling blessed man woke up had to hit some traffic man you know how traffic goes man I'm sitting through traffic I texted you, I'm like, I'm going to be a little bit late. But in my head, I'm thinking I'm going to be <laughs> at least five minutes early. That's yeah. typically how I am. If I say I'm going to be late, that means I'm five minutes early. Man, I'm sitting in this traffic, bro. I just feel myself getting heated. Just sitting in the traffic like, <laughs> bro, I'm about to be 15, 30 minutes late. Like, Yeah, dude. And it, it was came, rough this morning. It was rough.
0: I ain't going to lie. I, I actually was, like, reveling in it because, for once, I <laughs> I was the first person to show up. And the first
1: time in your entire life.
0: I made sure the guy at the coffee shop knew that I that – that I was first, too. Like, I was like, I, these guys are late today. I don't know what. Oh, they're. my gosh. <laughs> these Listen. guys, man. You was late to your interview. You was late. <laughs> All right, we covered this. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, everyone gets it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, dude, I, I don't know. We're here. It's You know, we're, we're coming up. We're like this last little winter push here in Pittsburgh. So downtown is actually, that's something that I've, like, I always forget to account for, like, how much colder it is downtown here with, like, the rivers. Every time. And, like, you know, I'll leave the house and be like, "Yeah, hey, this is, like, hoodie weather. You get down here and you just, Bro, like listen, we were playing
1: football dude. at Hans. Like, we would look at the weather and be like, okay, it's 43 degrees. That means it's 33
0: degrees at Hans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a real effect, dude. It's crazy. It's yeah. Crazy. So let's let's jump a little bit into your story. 100%. Um, and start at the beginning. Okay, because that's, you know, that's where all good stories have start, to start. Yeah. Um, so let's take, you know, Little Trey, right, growing up. What's, what's Little Trey like? Little Trey growing up, bro, I had to go through the world. You know what I mean? I had to learn a lot of things about myself at a
1: very young age. Um, there's things that I watched my parents go through, watched my dad go through, watched my mother go through, that uh, most kids either have, depending on where you're from, or haven't had to go through, right? So my parents got divorced at a young age, and then you know, on top of that, my dad had gone through a situation around when I was about seven years old, um, my stepmother, the lady that my dad ended up marrying after my mom, she ended up dying. Uh, I don't know if I was the first person to witness her die, but I was the first one on the scene, right? So it was one of those things where things got a little bit difficult, a little bit hectic, man. I, I sat with depression and the thought of suicide for a very long time after that, right? Because once I seen that aspect in my head, like I started to flirt with the idea of death. You know what I mean? A little bit too much, a little bit more than I would like. Yeah. And after witnessing that, man, I went on a little, <sighs> I went on a little journey, man, and, and ran away from home for a little bit, man. And, and my mom, she did such a great job in trying to get me back to reality, man. But after seeing stuff like that, it just, it haunted me, man. I was having the same dreams from when I was seven years old till I was about fourteen. So yeah. you had, like, a, a reoccurring dream? Oh, that would I can I can vividly tell you exactly the same dream really? right now. Really? Know exactly how to go about it, what happens, how it happens every single time. What? I just haven't had
0: it in a long time. Do you, Would you mind sharing it?
1: Yeah, so as, as I got older, just to give you a kind of an idea on what happened that day, um, when I was around seven, man, I walked up the steps. My dad had told me to go get my stepmother because it was time to eat breakfast. My dad had made a nice breakfast for me and my stepbrothers, Jordan and Brad. Um, and it was cool, man. I went upstairs and I remember touching Mandy's skin, and it was cold. And Mandy was my dad's uh, fiance's name, and I called her my stepmom, even though they haven't didn't go the full way. But I had touched her skin, and it was cold, and I didn't really understand what was going on, so I was kind of confused. I was in shock, kinda, man, so. And you're seven years old? Seven years old, not really knowing what the hell's going on, bro. Just kind of nervous. Feeling my hands getting clammy, feeling myself just getting really, really nervous, right? Go upstairs, and I get a sense of just something airy in the the, the air, bro. I can feel it, you know what I mean? And when I walked in there, I could tell something wasn't right. I touched her skin, she was cold. I went downstairs, told my dad to go upstairs and go check on her. All I remember is my dad running downstairs screaming, she's dead. And I was like, yo, like what? like seven I didn't even know what to think for real to be honest with you seven years so are you the oldest so at the time no I wasn't the oldest Jordan was the oldest um I was like the middle okay and um it was difficult bro because at the time I was like Jordan and Brad they were my stepbrothers so like they had attachment that's their mom right you feel me so like I felt more bad for them because that's their actual mom and then on top of that yeah right my dad had some issues after that because her father was a judge Hmm. Right, and some things had happened, and they end up sending my dad to jail, falsely accusing him of murder. Right? Wow, dude. So I lost my dad for a decent amount of time, and dang, my dad had to go through that. And that's one reason why, to this day, although my dad had his problems, had his issues, man, my dad fought hard to be in my life. Right? So like through that situation, bro, I ended up running away. It's like yeah, fuck this, I'm cool, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like running away. Running away, bro. I hit in the same spot. I hit when we play hide and go seek with the boys. You feel me? I Hit in the same spot every single time, bro. It was crazy, man, because like at that moment I started to feel this thing that like I wanted to die. Like, I felt that same feeling for, them, for damn near until I was about 19, like every day. I just wanted to die, right? So I was having a tough time just coping and understanding what was going on. But back to the dream. So the same dream yeah. that I was having every single night from when I was seven to when I was about 14 was I'd have dreams that I would go and touch Mandy's skin again. But this time she would turn over and then grab me and pull, her cl- cl- pull me close to her face. And I would wake up. Dang. And I'm talking about I had the same exact dream until I was about 14. From when I was seven years old. Really? Yeah. So how I,
0: often would you? How frequently would
1: you have this? I probably on honestly in the beginning years probably like from seven to about nine it was almost every night and then as I got older it would be like every three four weeks and you kind of I kind of could feel that it was coming and then when I turned like 15 16 found out that my mom had cardiomyopathy or she had like some heart disease that they had thought that either it would kill her or she would just find a way to get through it. So like at yeah. 15, like that became my focus that my mom was going through such a situation. Right. The dream started to fade away. Okay. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, it was started like, to kind of distract you. It was almost a distraction. Like it was one tragedy into another tragedy right. that distracted me. For you still real.
0: haven't fully healed from the. I, I ain't fully healed. Yeah, from I'm one not of sure them, you I mean. ever really fully yeah. healed. But, you <laughs> yeah. know, especially being seven years old. Now you're 15. Yeah. You know, they're pretty like important years of your life. You're trying to figure out. You know, most kids are figuring out like what video game they like best, what their favorite movie is. You're trying to figure out like, you know, a lot lot more a lot faster than a lot of people had to deal with in their entire life so um you know by 15 to be feeling those things like what do you think uh like what would get your mind off of those things when you were younger it's true when i was
1: younger bro i used to go and play sports that was my thing bro i feel like the reason why i became so good at sports is because of how much i went through you know what i'm saying and at the same time even during that time period to when i was about seven to about 15 my uncle had passed away my cousin had passed away um, it just felt like everybody that I love was so close to death. Always. You said
0: your uncle and your cousin. Yeah. So now you, you've seen your stepmom, your uncle, and my your cousins cousin all pass away before
1: fifteen. Yep. Before fifteen, and that was something that was like, it was frustrating because I felt like again, like anybody that I actually let my heart get close to would die. Like that was my that was my actual thought process going through it. Like I couldn't love anybody hard enough because they would die. So, like, I had I got nervous to love my mom hard enough. I got nervous to love my dad. Any female that I ever got to meet, like, I would, it just yeah. wouldn't happen because I was so afraid that they would die. Yeah. And, and honestly, I didn't really get rid of that feeling until I was about 22, which yeah. is, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And honestly, like, from everything that I went through, bro, it almost kind of felt like that was the truth. Like, I was putting it into my head, but it was just like, OK, like I'm almost confirming everything right. that I don't want to happen by continuously putting it out there. Right. So, yeah, Man, I
0: mean, I can I, I can relate to that in a sense, um, obviously not at such a young age. But right. just the you know, when someone really close to you passes there, there is that that voice that creeps in and tells you like everyone, you know, like you you're like, I don't want to go through this again. So if I don't let you into my life, I don't have to go through this. So I'm not only protecting myself, I'm protecting like you. Right. Maybe I don't want because then I had the, the reverse of that, too, is like, you know, I had a fear of leaving my like loved ones right. where I'm like, I don't want them to miss me as much if I go before them. So right. I'll just be distant now. Right. And I, I did the same thing for a little while when I lost my dad or even when he got sick. And I just, uh, you know, I started pushing everyone away because, you know. Like you said, you don't want to, you don't want to feel that pain to lose someone. So it, it's like, if I slowly back away, it's like on my terms and y- you know, you're trying to, at, at any cost, like have something under your control right. because everything cost, felt for me out of control.
1: I agree to that. I a hundred percent agree to that. Cause you're just trying to have some type of control over this wild ass life. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it got to a point bro where like, I just didn't even let like, like I felt like I was always an outcast, right? Just because in partial, part of it was my fault, you know what I'm saying? Me staying so separated, but in other parts, man, like, I
0: moved so much. Right, so so this all takes place, where, where are you when your uh, stepmom passes? Where were you at? So Is I was in Vannegrift
1: at the time. Okay. And me and my family, we moved around so much because I bounced back and forth between my dad and my mother. And she also moved a lot. My dad also moved a lot. So my dad, when he went away, I had lived with my mom. And ended up living with my mom for the rest of the time. But um that was uh it was quite interesting, man, because again, I was bullied heavily. Like I was too black for the white kids and I was just a little bit not black enough for the black kids. So like when I would go to the hood, I got cousins in the hood, I got family in the hood all the time, right? But like I would always try to push out my intelligence, right? Like to to show people how intelligent that I am, even Mm -hmm. though like on the inside I felt like I ain't I ain't have it all together. You feel me? So like I had to really work on myself that's why like right now i focus so hard on mental health because like at a point in time like i was dead ass suicidal when i was seven years old i was 19.
2: yeah
0: it's hard enough as like a 30 year old to find other people to share your mental health issues with but like as a kid i feel like you have like these these questions of like why like what are even what am i even feeling right right now you know
1: And that's the one thing, like, I got some boys, man. Elijah Jackson, DeAndre Johnson, Jeremy Jackson, um, Julian Fenori. I say these names out loud, man. Uh, Zeke Walker, because, like, these kids, like, during that time period, they had my back, right? We ain't never talk about or discuss the things that we was going through. We just knew that we all went through something. We all been through something. So I got your back if you got my back type deal. I didn't really come out and tell people about what I was going through until I was in college. And that was after, like, I was really, really, really... You know what I'm saying? To my, my breaking point for real. Because yeah. I, I ain't never have anybody to show me how. Right. Like how do I go and tell somebody on what I'm going through, knowing damn well you don't know anything or have any any clue on what I was going through. I remember the first people I ever told my story. You know what I'm saying? Gianna Rock of Karina Libertor. Um shoe Byron, one of my close friends at the time, Byron. I forget his last name, though. This was funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh but like, nah, bro, I just told this group of friends, man, and I was sitting there and just remember like, just spilling myself out to them bro because I was just like bro like I can't let keep living like this bro like because either yeah. one or two things is gonna happen if I continue to keep this in I'm gonna die or if I let this out there's a chance I don't know because I've never done it before there's yeah. a chance I might be okay right and once I did it I was like wow so I can't find peace
0: yeah mm-hmm. when did it when did you decide you wanted to try to pursue like college football start playing
1: Um, uh, right after my cousin died back in like eighth grade I decided i wanted to pursue sports just because i was being a bad little kid like a lot of kids <laughs> in pittsburgh you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> but i was doing doing whatever i wanted to do and then just seeing my mom grind so hard and seeing that she had to go through so much for, us, for her to just put food on the table i was like yeah bro i can't keep watching this you know what i'm saying like, yeah i gotta do something Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not going to go to the streets, so I got to find something, right? So was I'm that a real it. option for you? Starting, oh, 100%. You know, like, that, that was, lifestyle of just... Listen, I've been a hustler way before I was a football so player. That's what
0: I'm saying. So, like, <laughs> you, you actually had to wrestle with that, yeah. of, like, this lifestyle that I want. 100%, man. And then... What kept you away from, you know, what, what made you want to go towards the football route rather than just...
1: I had a great group of men around me. That's the one thing I feel like the world's missing right now is men raising men. You know what I'm saying? and Because, like, I had some of the best group of men, including my father, when he got the opportunity to be in my life. You know yeah. what I'm saying? like, And trying to get me in the right direction. Like, Greg Hutcherson, Corey Smith, Wade Brown. You know what I'm saying? Wade, Wade taught me on how to hustle the proper way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real, though. Like, I was out there selling clothes <laughs> to kids in school. Yo, meet me at my locker, bro. I got a shirt for <laughs> you. <laughs> he taught me to hustle the proper way. You know what I'm saying? and Just yeah. to, to be smart, bro. It took me, bro, we had a kiosk in the Monroeville Mall back in, like, for real? Yeah, like 2003. Remember when the riots happened? Yeah. Bro, we was in that joint. I was like 15, standing For up real? on top of the thing like this. <laughs> <laughs> Chilling, bro. And I'll never forget, bro. He taught me how to hustle. But then Greg Hutchison, Corey Smith, the trail Hutchison, which is my cousin, um, true, Christian Clayton, all these people, man, they came together and we created an AAU basketball team. Sort of kind of how we're doing right now with our yeah. seven, on, with seven, on 7 football. And these guys took care of us, man. They showed us the way. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, we can go do this. Like, we actually have an opportunity. We traveled all over the place to go play teams, bro. It was busting people's asses, you know yeah. what I'm saying?
0: Like, you, a real bomb. Do you remember? Do you have like a moment in high school where you were like, I'm, I'm above average here. I'm pretty good. Alright, <laughs> so
1: I had I had two moments for me, because I always in my head like once I got to ninth grade, bro. I was like once I decided I was gonna do this, I wanted to be the best player ever in the you. That was my goal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In some sorts, I fell short due to injury. But then but, you realized
0: I played in the Whippew. Yeah, great. and then like, you yeah. know, a couple Maybe other second guys. second best
1: could be. I'll take the second best joking, you know obviously but uh <laughs> it's crazy because uh that's when i just started realizing like i'm him you know what, <laughs> what i'm saying <laughs> like i ain't gonna lie it was about eighth grade we were hooping and i had my first dunk ever you for know real what at cal u i'll never forget it my boy threw yeah. me a oop i windmilled that joke <laughs> my first ever dunk was a windmill eighth by grade. the way yeah eighth grade i never forget it yeah. and i got proof dwayne brown could tell you <laughs> <laughs> Um, but like
0: we need to get a clip of this. Hey, man, sure. if you could find that clip, <laughs> bro,
1: that was a that was a different type of trade. But then after that, going into my sophomore years, when I tried to start dunking on people, and I caught a couple bodies, yeah, A couple bodies. And at that point, I was like, yeah, I'm him.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> was do you think hoops was just as important in your life as football?
1: Hoops was my first love, man. Football allowed me to be violent. Hoops okay. allowed me to be who I really wanted to be. You know what I'm saying? Football allowed me to get all my anger out. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then I realized that I was him my sophomore year of high school, for real, for real, like football and basketball. I was like, if I'm going to make this shit shake, yeah. ain't nobody going to make it shake for me but me. So I started right. grinding, like, by my dola. John Skiba was one of the the people who also had such a big role in my life, man, because he 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 gave me guidance in a, in a very dark time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I wanted to leave schools. I was getting racist comments. I was... I was down. I was done with the world for real, bro. Like, yeah. And nobody was talking about mental health at the time. Like, right. That wasn't. was when did you graduate 18, high school, 15. 20, 2015 Yeah. So like, anybody was talking about mental health or nothing like that. Yeah. We was just trying to figure it out. And you right. know what I'm saying? I was get called the N word every other day. Just getting talked bad about. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was low key getting bullied. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, like.
0: And that's a crazy dynamic there too. To be like the football star, the, the star basketball star. Bully getting bullied in your own school bro in my own school bro i'm like one or three black people anytime anything
1: happens they look at me you yeah. know what i'm saying so it's like i was going through it and then even the people who did look like me they try to bully me too because they were not trying to be bullied next yeah you know what i'm saying i always just kind of like fuck it like i'm cool with it like, yeah it don't matter like because y'all gonna be sitting here doing what you're doing now while i do what i do yeah and honestly a lot of those people who did bully me at the time bro are doing exactly the same shit they was doing in yep. high school right now you feel me so it's yeah. like I was going through that. You know what I'm saying? I had to figure it out. So I I definitely I fought back in a lot of different ways, bro. Especially when I got to college. College got even harder. Yeah. I really didn't fit in at that point. You know what I mean? So why did you choose Pitt? It was home. It was that simple. Like it was home. Like if I'm gonna fight for anybody, I'm gonna fight for the city. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like everybody needs a why bigger than them. You know what I'm saying? My family was definitely my why, but I needed an even bigger why. You know what I'm saying like I had to, I had to put it in my head that no matter what happens, I'm gonna stay here, be here because this is my biggest why. Yeah, that's why I never left Pitt. That's why I never transferred from Pitt was because I was like I made a commitment.
0: Yeah, yeah. which is like, in today's day and age, I mean, I mean it's it's not it doesn't happen now. No, you know it's I think your your class might be like one of the last classes that like came in with a mission, and you know thanks to like nil it's you know it's a great thing but there's also downside to it in in a sense you know that um you know that that whole loyalty to your team and whatever and maybe it went out you know because the loyalty always wasn't mutual between team and player right uh, and now the playing field's a little bit even but um you know there was a special thing about you know you come in as a freshman and you come in with a class and you guys have you know four or five years to do something special and uh you know due to COVID and everything that you know you went through with your injuries obviously which we'll get into um you're you played seven full years right yeah correct so um you're let's go back to like you're coming into pit right right um wide-eyed right out of uh you know high school you're recruited there You're a freshman there what are you feeling like when you get on campus because i know you're saying you've been through so much right you've overcome so much at such a young age you've seen so much loss devastation you get to a brand new you know it's like it's a new moment in your life like what are you feeling are you still thinking about these things you've went through or do you feel like that was like a mental shift that you went through when you came to Pitt, where you're like it's a new leaf shoot it was it was up we was going crazy (laughs) in my head i
1: was like we getting right yeah. All that's left in the past, but unfortunately, man, things will get a little bit harder than I expected. Mm-hmm. You so know what I mean? So
0: you, you got significant playing time, right, freshman yeah. year. And, yeah. Um, you know, you had a really bright career ahead of you. Mm. Um, and so your first injury, right, which was your freshman year, thir- week three, yep. I believe. Yeah. I said it was in practice, right? Yep. So take me through that. I can, I, don't, I can
1: make it very simple for you. Jordan Whitehead is a freak. <laughs> <laughs> that man is a freak athlete. To this day, I don't even know how he got to me. Really? He started on the opposite hash, made it the whole way to the far out of bounds on Damn. an out route. I ain't never seen anybody move that fast laterally in my entire life. Damn. And I just came down weird, but we both went up for the ball, and mm-hmm. my, my leg kind of just gave a little bit, and ended up spreading my PCL, my LCR but again, like... Just from what I told you, bro, I wasn't right in the head to begin with, right? So to have one single injury, like, that was devastating to my whole everything. Yeah. And not too many people knew how detrimental it was to me. You know what I'm saying? So it kind of looked like, I honestly, I was being mm-hmm. a bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just keeping it real. So, like, during that time period, bro, I was going through the world as well. Like, it wasn't any easier or yeah. any better. Like, I just started dating this beautiful young lady at the time. um, And then we were just extremely toxic. We became the laughing stock of the school, for real. Mm. I'm not even going to lie to you. Um... But with that said man we just went through so much that I I tried to to be somebody that I that was hard to be right like yeah. she was dealing with a bunch of luggage that she also had and I was trying to take on her luggage including my own luggage mm. right so it just got really nasty really tough and really yeah. bad fast and unfortunately during that process um she had gotten pregnant mm. and uh that was been my number one goal my whole entire life was to be a father so like when that happened there were some other things that was happening in her personal life where I don't know too many people on this entire planet that could handle it. You know what I'm saying? Like, she was, and, and forgive me, you can cut this out if you need to, but she was, uh, so then we ended up losing our child, and that was probably one of the tougher times for me. So now I'm not playing ball, which is the only thing that's keeping me sane at the time, right? And then now the woman that I love, you know what I'm saying, like, including the baby that I was looking forward to, almost both slipped out of my hands. So at this point, bro, I was in such a deep depression, bro, I didn't care about nothing like nothing bro like when i say nothing it took really honest to god bro it took me battling with me like and people don't understand that like i feel bad because when you have you see these people who are families dealing with the fact that they lost somebody due to the fact they took their own lives right and they always ask what can I? what could i have done better mm-hmm. what can i have done to do more right if you're telling that person you love them every single day that you can, you've done all you've could, yeah. you could possibly do. Yeah. At some point in time, it's responsibility of that yeah. person for themselves. Like, they gotta have to decide, like, do you wanna continue to feel this way for yourself or do you wanna fight back? Now, is it an easy fight? I am not saying that at right. all. You know what I mean? But it's at some point in time, it is a hard fought decision. Yeah. And after I attempted my life four times my freshman year, bro, I made a decision, bro. Like. I felt like God was talking to me and was like, you're not ready yet. And since then, I haven't, I haven't acted on it. Now, I have the thoughts bounce back and forth. Yeah, they have. But I fought those things off. I was able to move
2: forward. Yeah.
1: And it built me. It built me. So that led into my sophomore year of college. I was geeking. I'm like, all right, well, we got rid of all the negative. Let's get back <laughs> right. We about to get right. Let's yeah. go get it. Get back into the sophomore year. I grind hard. Now I'm playing heavy because the guy who started in front of me got hurt. Mm-hmm. Start killing, boy. I'm, I'm talking yeah. about whooping people's asses, <laughs> my boy. And then I ended up getting hurt again, bro. My lung collapsed in the game against Miami um, over a play, bro. And me and Coach Canada, we could can laugh about it now, man. I remember telling Coach Canada, this play ain't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, man, got myself destroyed, bro, by, by three Miami defensive players. They
0: I seen the play. It was yeah, man, no joke. It
1: knocked me damn near unconscious, bro. And I remember my lung collapsing. And I told myself during that time period when I was in the hospital, I said, you got two options here. You can go back to who you used to be, right? Depressed, you know what I mean? Telling yourself you want to kill yourself every day, all that. You can go back to that. Or you can make a decision to me- never go back to that again. But mm-hmm. right now is going to be the test. Because at that time period, I was originally the year before playing with my life. Now, the year later, God's telling me that you were this close to not living. Right. Right? Because the doctor had told me, he said, you go into the third quarter, you could have died. You'd have got on that airplane, there would have been no saving you. Wow. And at the time, bro, people don't even know. I came back in and played. Really? Like, I came back in and played until the half was over.
0: Oh, shit. And then when <laughs> I
1: got to the to the locker room, my boy, Ra-Ra, Rujo Lopes, that's the longest name I've ever had to say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, honestly, him, Dr. Mayers, um, Dr. Musa, they saved my life, bro. Yeah. Because just one doctor out of the four doctors said that I was fine.
0: Well, what's crazy to me is, you know, hearing you say all of this, right? <clears throat> you go through so much at a young age, you get to a point where, you know, you said you went through this knee injury to like most from the outside looking in, it's like a suck it up kind of thing. Like, yeah. you know, knee injury, it's not the end of the world. There's medicine. Now you get surgery, you'll be back. But like for somebody who has unhealed trauma, right. That you're going through, uh, s- sometimes it's almost like y- you slap a band aid on everything. Right. Or like you fix things with like duct tape. Right. So, like, when something actually happens like that, it's almost like the last, like, you know, domino to fall. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't matter that it's just one domino. It's the fact that it was, like, the last one you were standing on. And um, there there's a difference between the way you reacted to your first injury mm. of just, you know, a knee injury. Mm. Not, not just, but, like, versus a collapsed lung where you're fighting for mm. your life. Mm. You'd think you'd have that reaction of falling into a deep, dark depression after that. Mm-hmm versus the knee mm. what do you think happened from injury one to injury two that you responded differently god
1: that's simple it's as easy as it comes god reason why i say that is because when i got on that bridge bro i slipped i could take you to the bridge right now the bridge is literally right over there mm-hmm. and i'll never forget i never forget how i got there never forget what i thought and when i stood on, a, on the opposite side of that bridge ready to jump off bro i slipped and i caught myself And there was a voice in my head that was not me telling me that you're not ready yet. Then I climbed on the other side, bro, and never looked back. I told myself I would never be here again. There ain't nothing in this world that's going to stop me. I was so tired of losing to me. Like There's a point in time in your life where you just get so frustrated with yourself that you're like, bro, are you going to keep losing to yourself? Because you want to blame everybody else but yourself Mm -hmm. for the shit that you're going through, right? Like, you have an opportunity to make a a change in your life. Do it. What are you waiting for? So now I'm going... Fast forward, bro, I was dealing with everything, you know what I'm saying, with the fact that I felt like even my family at the time, the only time people were hitting me up, it felt like, is when they wanted tickets. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was their their scapegoat to go do something on the weekend. Yeah. I was going through it, bro. And then now, I'm balling out, and then I had everything taken away from me again. Right. You would think it would be even worse, but then there was these nurses, Because that was,
0: not to interrupt, but this was later in the season, right? So, you played, like, a full, almost a full season. Yeah. You know, get hurt towards the end of this year against Miami. So now you're out, right? Yeah. Throughout the offseason, you're just trying to get back. What's the goal? To play ever again or to play in the spring? Like, what was your...
1: So I was told that I wasn't supposed to actually come back and suit back up until six months. Okay. I came back in two months. <laughs> of, course, <laughs> of course you did. I came back in two months and was like, you know what? Yeah, I hear you, but that's not going to be what stops me, right? Yeah. Because i already been through too much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's nothing that you could do to break me at this point. Yeah you know what I mean like I've already broken I've already been there Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying I know what my worst looks like so for me it was like okay bet I didn't die so let's keep going
0: yeah you know Mm, what I mean yeah Uh, yeah and so to pick back up where I cut you off you said there was a group of nurses that made a big difference in your life huge difference
1: man this doctor specifically that did the job on me at in Jackson Memorial man he like he was just different bro he saved my life including the 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 nurses bro because I was low-key depressed because when i woke up man they told me it's like if i didn't suck into this breathing apparatus i was gonna go into a coma i'm like bro i just woke up i ain't trying to go back to sleep you know what i'm saying so these nurses came in bro and every single day bro i wasn't even i was probably the most healthiest person inside this <laughs> icu unit though like miami is yeah. a wild place to live you feel me yeah and these nurses every single day same same faces came in with a smile specifically this one nurse named Youssef. he uh I want to say he's Iranian or something like that. And uh, every day, he let me know every single piece of medicine that he's putting in my body. My body gave me, like, motivational quotes every day. Like, just kept me highly motivated, bro. Like, didn't know me from left. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like, okay. I can't fight back. It just got to be even a stronger fight in my head. So from that day on, I decided I was going to compound interest on my positivity. And that's what I did. Mm. Try to stack them wins. Yeah, dude. And I stacked them
0: so from that that moment on you fight back to get on the field like what's what's your life looking like at this point like your your friend group are they changing your family like what's Mm -hmm. as you fight back you know to get on the field
1: as i fight back to get on the field bro. my friends are like bro you're different brother stay locked in you know what i mean they've always told me you're different bro stay locked in
0: you know what i'm saying so
1: like it gave me motivation to stay locked in like go get it go find it so then me and my boy sean Adobe, we went out the way to California to go train and go hard, bro. Came back stronger than I've ever felt my entire life. end up getting hurt again, blow up my knee completely. Damn near every look at me in my knee, bro. And then that moment- Like I in a
0: like non-football-
1: Non-football related type situation. So now I'm in my head like, bro, like- Yikes. How the hell, like what? Yeah, dude, you that's rough. <laughs> so like, and then again, now that's I'm putting back look. in this position of like make a decision now I got this tag on me too now you're injury prone right so like now I got this tag on me now I got people telling me that I'm not shit I got so many different things happening to me I gotta fight back again yeah but in this moment bro I was being told that I was going to get big opportunities I was going to the league this that and the fourth and Mm -hmm. everything just got taken away from me not once but for the third time
2: yeah
0: and I'm like okay so why not quit now and I told myself three years in four years in what made you keep going? Because I ain't a quitter. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, bro. Just stubborn as hell, I'm man. Stubborn as <laughs> hell,
1: even to myself, bro. I'm probably the most stubborn person I know. <laughs> and uh, I just wouldn't quit, bro. I had something to prove to myself. Like, I'm not going to give up just because y'all telling me to give up, bro. Yeah. I had mean, coaches telling me I was going to Slippery Rock after my third injury. Really? Yeah, bro. It tried to disrespect me over time, bro. I just sat there and laughed. I was like, I'll be back. Don't worry. Yeah. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, bro, although I played really well in the beginning of my career, at the end of my career, bro, like – they never gave me a fair chance, in my personal opinion. You know what I mean? And I've had opportunities to leave and go different other places. But Pitt is home, bro. Like, it was home. Yeah. So I stayed, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? I,
0: I can totally relate to that, Um, you know, with my concussion issues in, in football. I had, you know, my freshman year, I mean, I played D2 ball. Um, And so D2 is like a weird mixture where, you know, you go in, you have some kids that are on a full ride. There's some, like, partials, and then you get a bunch of D1 or 1AA or um, JUCO transfers that come in, like, a week or two before every season. Like, if their camp ain't going well, they would transfer. Or, like, if they got kicked off the team in the spring, they'd transfer to your school, and they would show up. And, um, you know, like, my freshman year, we had a group of all Americans that they were, like – all four receivers were all Americans like they were nuts. Our offense was crazy. We broke like almost every scoring record and not just D2, but like just college. We, we played Edinburgh my freshman year in a playoff game and we put up 84 points in a playoff game. Wow. Uh, our quarterback ended up getting hurt our next week uh, or else I think we would have won the national championship right. that year. But he like messed his throwing shoulder up. Ah. So, you know, um, but anyways, like I, I had like a, an incredible uh, start to my career even though I was redshirted, uh, I remember like I'd you know be talking to coaches I knew the offense I was making plays every day like you know I was I was really like I felt like I had a good opportunity there and then because um, I just wanted to play ball like I, I didn't really have dreams of making the NFL but like I, wanted I just wanted to play and if right. it led to like playing after college somewhere I was open to that right. you know um, but for the love of the game I was so excited and then I had my issues with concussions Same thing, you know, I put my body first and like I, you know, I took a year off actually to let my brain heal because I had three in one year. And, um, you know, that led to, I think, a little bit of resentment from the coaching staff at the time that I, you know, walked away from it. And then I felt like I never got a fair shot when I came back as well. So I can totally relate this. One of the most frustrating things that ever happened to me in my life was, um, you know, I've I've shared the the recurring dream that I had less, you know, uh, dramatic as far as like, it's not a life and death thing, but it's, it's a thing where I've, I've wanted to play a game in my dream. Like I'm getting dressed for this game. I've shared it on this podcast before too. And like, I get to the field, as soon as I step on the field, I wake up. Right. So I never get to play the game. Um, and you know, so I, I, I feel what you're feeling there. I think after everything you've been through though, you know, you go through this again, you you feel like maybe you're not getting a fair shot. What kept you positive uh, over just falling back into, you know, negative mindset?
1: Because I, I started although my role in terms of being a player changed my role as a leader did not Right. So, like, I still had to be that guy that was able to motivate, although I didn't get what I wanted. hmm. You know what I mean? And that was something that was a life experience for me, because nine times out of ten, you're not going to get what you want anyway in life. You have to go literally get it for yourself or take it from you yeah. know what I mean? and. Granted, I did, I do appreciate the coaches who did give me a chance, the small chances that I did get. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, injuries play, plagued me as, sure. I, as I played. You know what I mean? But in the same sense, my last two years, bro, I felt like I, I was really finally healthy, and I didn't get the opportunity I wanted in my senior year. Bro, honest to God, bro, my, my seventh year, bro, I didn't play at all. I just yeah. watched from the sidelines. I Damn, there was a better spectator than I was player at that point. You know That's what I mean? was? And I, it, I was hurt, bro, because in practice, I was busting people's asses all day. Yep. I
0: mean, Same thing, dude. I felt like I I, when that year I took off, when I came back, I like I was on like a a mission Mm. to prove that, like, you know, I could come back and be better than I was and like pick up where I left off before all the concussions happened. And, you know, I worked out harder than I had ever worked out in my life, trained every single day and went to camp, bro, was just I mean, I was in the like write ups every because this was before like social media or like Mm. especially D2 level. There was no. Westlib football, social media, like, but Mm. the online, they would write an article after every camp Mm -hmm. practice. And I was in there like every day, like standouts at wide receiver. And like there, I have like, you know, clips are like, you know, looks like Vinny's pressing for like the, you know, starting role. And like, I'm taking first team reps all day, every day in practice. And then you get to the game, dude. And they like, you know, your, your guy that you're behind gets injured or whatever. And they take a timeout just to like, let him, Rather than just like letting you go sub in for a few plays, and I'm like, dude, like it, it just, if it was so weird. And then like one one game, they like made me like the honorary captain of the game, and I was so hyped because I got the start that week because I kind of like ran my mouth a little bit and was like, what? I don't understand what's happening. I'm putting all these reps in in practice on all the starting reps while the starters sit out, and I ain't getting any. So they and then they install me in the the starting lineup. Right, uh, I go out there, they throw a bubble screen to like it's like a trip set. I'm, like, the middle guy, so, like, I'm going to just go make a block on the outside, like, backer safety, and, uh, they throw a screen to my boy, like, I, I had the dude, like, walled off, and he cuts back, like, I had him, like, you know, my back was to the sideline, so I'm, like, you know, come off, you know, go outside, he cuts it back right into my block, the dude makes the tackle, and, like, I have a video of it, like, actually, pictures of it, I'm, like, I'm, like, almost pancaking the dude, because he had to dive backwards to make the tackle, and... so that was the first play. Second play, the quarterback fumbles the, the snap, like jump, you know, mess up on the handoff, scoop and score the other way. So I come off the sideline, off this like, you know, I'm like all high, it's like my first series right. that I'm starting in college football. First play, like my guy makes the tackle, but like I said, I mean, I don't know what I was supposed to do, like he cut right into my block. Right. And then second play is a scoop and score the other way for, for six. You know, from that moment on though, uh, I got benched. I didn't see another starting snap the rest of the season. Sure, bro. I ain't I'm like, bro. You. I know how that feels I snapped, dude. I had a blow up, dude. I And that was, I had two years of eligibility left on my uh in my college career, and I didn't play him out because I was so frustrated with what happened that year.
1: Man, what killed me, bro, is the fact that like I never blew out. Like I never went out there and snapped on anybody but yet the people who did snap on the coaches got the opportunity. So, like, I was just sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, bro, like, I'm doing everything right to get nothing. Yeah. Like, they bring, they're bring they bringing in guys from all over the place, bro. I got other players on the team coming up to me like, Trey, why are not you in? Yep. Like, I don't know, bro. <laughs> I, I don't I, know it was you.
0: so weird, dude. Everyone on the team would ask that, too. Like, why aren't you playing? And I'm like, dude, I honestly can't tell you. I don't know.
1: And that's the thing, bro. It's like as coaches they got a job to do right and unfortunately bro like they, they tell certain people certain things so therefore yeah. you gotta hold up their promises to them yep. over you yeah and because we're good guys they know the fact that we'll eat it on the chin mm-hmm. and they rather have that kid be happy than to have yeah. it you know what I'm saying so I mean at
0: the end of the day too I was on a partial like I was trying to earn a scholarship versus these dudes that were on full rides. so like you promise these dudes money and like you know you want the school to be like where's our money going why is our money paying for this kid to sit on the sideline Obviously, the school wants the, the kid with the scholarship to right. play, you know. Right. So these coaches that are fighting for just their jobs, I respect it. But at the end of the day, like, I think that's why like, I respect what you do with coaching, because, you know, you're you're kind of the voice that I wish I had when I was a high school, you know, recruit and right. trying to figure out where I wanted to play college ball and, like, you know, what I needed to hear from coaches versus what was just, like, lies versus all that. Right. So, so like, I guess, you know, we've been through your story a little bit obviously we didn't get like crazy deep on all of the stuff because right. there's so much that goes into <laughs> yeah. it. Um, but you know, you get to a point, you win the ACC title, right. you know, you get to go out at least a little bit on, on a high, you know, with the team at least. And, um, and then from that point on, like, you know, where, where did you see yourself going after school? Because you know, you're, you're coming out, like, I've I watched the interviews. Like, everyone was asking you, like, what's next for Trey? Right. Like, what, you know, you, right. you're you this mental health advocate. You're speaking out. You're in, like, the press. Like, they're asking. You're doing damn near mini-podcasts every time you did a, a press release because right. everyone just had so many questions for you. Right. Like, what's next? Right. Like, where, where did you go from there?
1: Man, so I started speaking. I started traveling and telling my story, man. And that's exactly what I, I had kind of sought out to do. And then from there, man, I started working with the Pavement Group. And, uh honestly it's been different because it's a different team you know what i mean like i'm on a team now still but it's a different team and it's uh it's been spectacular and then i also had a little opportunity just to to see a preseason practice or a preseason season minicamp rookie minicamp with uh the Steelers for a little bit and i opened my eyes up to some things as well so i started to really see the business part of right football you know what i mean and seeing on a, a different outlook of football like a lot of my friends now are great athletes, but they're still looking for their way in mm-hmm. life. Because football's not forever. It's the only sport you can, once you, you pick it up and put it down, the, you put it down and it it. some it. It's the only thing that's close to a death certificate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, man, I've been thankful that I was able to put myself in the right positions. You know what I'm saying? Even though I didn't get what I want, I still did the right things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I went and graduated, got my, my degree in communications and sociology. Then I went and got my master's in social work. You know what I mean? So I was able to do different things, be in different places, speak to the right people. Right. You know what I mean? Make the right connections. And so ever since then, bro, I've just been I've been on the ground for real, bro. Yeah. And people say, what's next, bro? My goal is I'm your local superhero. That's how I see <laughs> it. So if that's the case, it's whatever I got to do to be that. So that's com- connecting to the community, being in the community, connecting with athletes. You know what I mean? Connecting with past athletes that I used to be close with. You know what I'm saying? So. I'm just trying to change the community, be in the community, and then be, bring people together, bro. I want yeah. to see change in the city of Pittsburgh, and I'm not going to stop until I get it.
0: I love that, dude. And that's why, like, I'm excited to have you on here today and, you know, share some of your story and your backstory. And, you know, we've this is our third episode we've done in a row. So, like, you know, we've been talking about the exhibit. We've t- been talking about, like, how we met and, like, how we, you know, have been working together. But, like, I wanted the listeners to know, you know like why you're so special and why like I, I'm so excited to be working with you. And, and I'm sure this isn't for some people the first time they've heard your story, but right. maybe it is the first time right. uh, that they've heard your story because I think the world should hear your story. I think there's a bunch of people that are out there that could benefit from you know, hearing your story and what you went through. And um, you know, like I said, maybe they're going through it right now. Right. Um, you know, but you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing is 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 kind of what I get from you and you know it's kind of what I live by too and you know I know our faith plays a big role in that um but I guess like what would you say right now to someone listening that whether they're an athlete or not uh they're just going through something that just feels like there is no light at the end of the tunnel like what would you say to them
1: I'll say to them the same thing I said every interview that I've ever done adversity is a comma in the sentence of life not a period What does that mean? bro? Life goes on after that adverse situation you go through. Just because it happened to you doesn't mean it has to be the end of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like just keep fighting forward. Keep putting one foot forward. The hardest thing in the world is to take that first step. Just the first step. Yeah. So you do everything you can to take that first step.
0: Yeah. And That's all I can offer. (laughs) I love that, dude. All right. So to transition here, um, we want to make an announcement, right? Yeah, man. So yeah, man. Uh, do you want to do you want to break the news? Should I? I think you should, dude. This is the Trey Tipton episode. So. So, ladies and gentlemen,
1: <laughs> uh, after crazy discussions and conversations that Vinny and I have had, um, along with our boy Anthony in the back, y'all can't see him, but he's been <laughs> killing it. He's letting y'all know. Um I'm going to be on this show consistently with my man, VC, too, as the co-host. So I'm excited to start this podcast with you, man. And yeah. we're going to be discussing so many different things from sports to mental health to jerseys to everything <laughs> that you could think of high school sports. for coming with it. So yeah. get ready. Put your seatbelt on because here we come.
0: Dang, dude. I didn't even ask you for an elevator pitch. You gave me another. another one. Another one. <laughs> another one. <laughs> I was going to give the elevator pitch today, but I don't think I need to now. <laughs> no, I'm, throw it again. <laughs> go ahead. I want to hear your joy. No, I'm not going to give an elevator pitch, but <laughs> <kid. laughs> I, I am going to say like when I started this podcast, um, I didn't know what it would lead to. Right. I I thought I would just interview some people, uh, and it was just a way for me to kind of tell some of the like speak some of the things that I've been through and maybe they connect with other people, you know, maybe they don't, maybe I'm literally the only dude on the internet talking about, you know, the new uniform design for the Denver Broncos. I don't know, but like, maybe, (laughs) maybe someone else is interested in that. And then they click and they watch and they hear my story and they see what I've been through and they go, Oh, I can relate to that. And then also like, like, all the art and the uniform and the design and like all the cool stuff that I'm into to me, it's just what brought me in connection with others. It's not about the things I did. Right. And, and I think like we've mentioned before, I love about you is that, you know, you want to separate yourself from the things you do. It's not, you know, you aren't who, what you do. You are, yeah. you know, you're, you're a person hundred percent. And, um, when I started this podcast, I didn't know what it would lead to. You reached out. Now we're sitting here, and um, I never planned to have a co-host on this show. But um, I'm I'm grateful that you're willing to do this because I think that you have uh, all the things you've done that don't necessarily make you who you are. Right. They're going to connect us and this audience and this community to so many new people to talk to to interview and then all of those stories are also going to relate to people that are listening and watching because the goal for this is to you know put something out there every week that people can listen to feel inspired have a good laugh you know talk a little bit about sports or just things that they're interested in Um, but to have a different perspective of you know things you've been through in life to speak into those things i'm so excited for man so i'm grateful to have you here that's it, dude. I don't know what else to say. I'm just excited.
1: Hey, we're going to have a good time, bro. Yeah. We got some things coming. So just letting you know right now, if you're a football player and he does a painting of you, <laughs> we may or may not be coming your way. Get ready, because we're coming. <laughs> we're coming.
0: We coming, right? We coming. We, uh, <laughs> what did <Dion> Sanders say? <laughs> we coming. We coming. <laughs> nah, Ooh, for man. sure, man. It's
1: going to be a good one. Yeah. It's be a good
0: one. Anything else you want to say before we go? Just
1: keep your eyes open, man. Because again, like we said, we We coming. <laughs>